and we are live. Welcome into the very first episode of a podcast that is yet to be named, but we know what it's about. It's about fantasy football. Um, I am one of your hosts, Miles Ullman, accompanied be, uh, accompanied by my lovely co-host, Chandler Hennig. Chandler, how you doing? Doing well, thanks, Miles. <laughs> super excited to, to get going on this. Yeah, man. Uh, basically, this the way that this came about was we constantly talk fantasy football. Anytime we're together, it's inevitable that we will break out into fantasy conversation. We were kind of like, we might as well start doing that in front of microphones and with headphones on, put it out to the public and let other people listen to us ramble because we like to do it so much. Um, and w- t- tell me a little bit about what you want this show to be about. Because I obviously there are a lot of fantasy shows what do you think will make our show special yeah I, I think you know so first off let me say that there is going to be fantasy rambling here the idea i think is also to help people eventually w- with their fantasy teams um y- you know there are a lot of fantasy football podcasts out there as you said i think we're going to try and be stats oriented but perhaps not stats driven so Um, You know, we're certainly going to look at numbers and ADP and rankings and things like that and try and use those to inform our decisions, which is how we talk about fantasy football in general. So that's not a change for for us. Um, But we want this to be light and have some levity here as well, too, and and have this really resemble you and your buddies talking about your fantasy football team and leagues and players in like a living room when you're when you're shooting the shit kind of so. Um, that's hopefully what, what this will be. And, you know, a little bit different in that sense than some of the other really big market fantasy football podcasts that are out there. Agreed. Absolutely. The air of levity, I think is huge. And the other, the other aspect is, you know, pretty much like you said, we know that we're not professional fantasy football analysts We're some average Joes who happen to be really good at fantasy and know a lot about what we're talking about. And now we want to share that information with you and ultimately help you win your league, which is our ultimate goal always. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So we uh, we have a good show in store. We're going to talk about Julio Jones news and also a little bit of a belated free agent frenzy. Obviously, haven't had a podcast to talk about free agents. We've talked about it off air a couple of times, but want to you know, pick your brain and, and, and talk through all of the major fantasy implica- implications of free agency for the 2020 to 2021 offseason. We're going to start with Julio Jones. Um, and what I want to start with here is we know that most likely Julio is getting traded. There was that conversation with Shannon Sharp on, um, what's that show called? Undisputed, where apparently he called Julio TBD, you know, the, the jury's out basically on whether or not Julio knew he was on air, but said, I'm out of here, quote. I think that's a pretty good indicator that he is going to be traded. And I've seen a lot of hate about Julio, hate towards Julio, I should say, on Twitter. And I, I think that it's outlandish. I'm a big Julio fan. But statistically, if we, if we disregard this most recent season, the 2020 fantasy season, in his previous six seasons, 2014 through 2019, Julio missed four total games, total games, 
over those six years and finished as the wide receiver six, two, six, seven, four, and three in PPR scoring. And yet there seems to be this narrative that Julio is washed or injury prone or that he's starting his decline. And really, there's no evidence for that, is there? Yeah, I think I've always been somewhat more skeptical of Julio than than you actually, um, but the numbers the numbers bear it out here. I mean, you know, again, with the acknowledgement that 2020 was a bit of an aberration from an injury standpoint, and the notion that Julio is injury prone or made of glass is just perfectly ridiculous, as you said, with the the number of missed games um, over the over the previous six seasons. But you know, over those over those seasons, we're basically looking at a guaranteed somewhere between five and ten finish and you know I, I it'd be interesting to look at the ADP and figure out if that's really where he's been drafted over the course of of the the previous six seasons but you know in mock drafts that I've done and of course it's still early Julio is like not even a, a second round wide receiver at this point point. you know and if you're guaranteeing yourself a five to ten range wide receiver finish in the you know, mid to late to maybe even early fourth round, you were getting tremendous, tremendous value. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's 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 entirely possible that we are looking at an AJ Green of yesteryear situation where AJ Green also had a really good first half of that season. I think that was 2018, if I'm remembering correctly, and then had the injury, was held out for the rest of the season. With that injury, came back. We were talking about it come draft season, weren't really sure what his value was. Some people took the shot on him, and it did not end up paying off. He clearly had fallen off the cliff. It's very possible that that's the case with Julio, and I think that that's what people are fearful of, but I think that the difference is Julio missed some time. Julio had a great start to the season, then missed some time, and then came back and was really good. He was a really, really good wide receiver for your fantasy team, and then missed more time after that. Right. That, to me, is a little bit different than the A.J. Green situation who had one injury and stopped. And also, A.J. Green was a lot more injury-plagued throughout his career than Julio has been. So that's my two cents. You know, he did miss seven games this past season, but still finished as the wide receiver of 14 in points per game, again, using PPR scoring. So, you know, there's definitely some upside with Julio. Definitely some downside that, you know, this is the year that he falls off the cliff. To me, I'm still in on Julio. Yeah, and I think it's important to to say we're still on Julio in, in on Julio given the price as it is right now. Mm-hmm. It's very possible that come actual draft season, and we're still you know a, a couple of weeks, if not months, out from that, that people start to realize, and you know, of course, this also depends on Julio's final landing spot. Um, that people say, okay, you know, there is hype around Julio, and it's some negative buzz, and we're gonna ignore that, and and the ADP maybe climbs up a little bit, but to have a chance at a, you know, five to 10-ish wide receiver finish in the mid to late to even later than that round, give me that every day of the week. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of these potential landing spots. The, the, the hype today was that apparently the Seahawks are very interested. Apparently, I saw Julio and Russ have been having conversations or whatever. What do you make of that? And more importantly, what would be the fantasy implications of a trade where he ends up on the Seahawks? So let me ask you first. I did see this uh, 
I did see the uh, the the news story here, but I did not have a chance to really dig into this. Is is the rumor that an, a receiver on the Seahawks is going the other way in this trade, or has that not been released yet because it's too still too early in the conversation? I, I also didn't do a ton of due diligence here. My assumption would be no. That assumption being, I can't imagine that they would trade away DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They just signed to a big contract, and I think Atlanta is trying to get out of the contract sure. game, right? So my assumption would be no. So let's assume that both receivers are still there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, to take a, a very quick break from fantasy football, that's interesting for a second because my understanding was the Falcons really wanted a, a first-round pick for Julio, and obviously the Seahawks pick next year is is not their own. I believe that's the Jets pick as well, too, for, oh, for, that's the coming, true. for the coming season. So interesting, you know, maybe a little bit of skepticism on my part in terms of that deal actually coming coming to fruition. But Although maybe that's why the trade can happen because you got to think that the that the Seahawks first round pick, if that's the one that they own, meaning based on where the Seahawks finish this year, would be a nominally worse pick than the Jets almost definitely will will be right. Yeah, I'd have to. So yeah, that makes sense. So again, just to go back to the to the fantasy implications here, um, I think objectively bad for pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, that has been. A, well, to start last season, that was a ridiculous offense. You wanted any piece that you could possibly get, um, if 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 memory serves here. I mean, DK Metcalf looked like he could be the the, the one, the wide receiver one to end the season yep. the first couple weeks, um, couple weeks last year. So, you know, that's that's an offense where I love the the current situation. Um, you know, I think Russ is a quarterback that you want to be tied to from a fantasy from a fantasy standpoint. The offensive philosophy worries me a little bit. I know this is something that we've talked about where Pete Carroll and the offensive staff on that team has pretty vocally said we want to be more run-oriented. Um, so adding another mouth to feed to that offense by trading for Julio without losing one of those two top receivers like DK, like Lockett, is a scary proposition, I think, for the fantasy value of all of those players. I, I would agree. I, I think Lockett takes the biggest hit, but I mean... Yeah, agreed. The the only player who gets maybe a little bit more interesting for fantasy purposes is Russell Wilson, I think. Otherwise, and of course, you know, I, I think we should probably <laughs> should have prefaced the cover- this conversation with if Julio leaves Atlanta at all, Calvin Ridley becomes, a, to me, a locked-in top five receiver. Yeah, I... I... I, I think we've both of us are already high on Ridley. Um, yeah. You know, he's at least right now. And again, it's, I want to emphasize that it's still early, um, even in the mock draft season, you know, that that pre that predates the actual draft season. But, you know, he's a wide receiver that I think you very easily look at and take in the early, early part of the second round. I agree. Um, so, you know, that's one where I, I totally agree if, if Julio ends up on a different team that that his his stock I don't even know if it increases but it solidifies in the range that it currently is right now to me to me it it increases you know not by a ton because like you said I already have him I'm already expecting huge things from Calvin Ridley this year it's just a few extra targets and a few I think he was averaging over 100 yards per game in the games that Julio did not play okay which is pretty unbelievable yeah absolutely that's 10 points 
for a floor right there. Mm -hmm. Maybe that comes down a little bit, but you know. Well, let me ask you this before we go back to the Seahawks and and wrap up just that potential destination. Are you worried about there now being too much attention on Ridley if Julio leaves? No, because of what I saw when Julio was off the field last season. Okay. I think towards the beginning of the season, season, it was already clear that Calvin Ridley had broken out, and yet Julio was still on the field. I think defenses already needed to pay attention to him. I'd have to go back and check which corners he matched up with for the, the games where Julio didn't play, but in short, no, I'm not worried about that. The other factor there is maybe not a factor there but another interesting consideration is Kyle Pitts also probably becomes more interesting without Julio yeah with Julio you know he to me is is somewhere between the tight end six to twelve he's still a rookie so have to temper expectations a little bit but if Julio is off the field I mean that's way more targets that probably go to Kyle Pitts yeah absolutely and this is a player that was talked about as just the hybrid, you know, is nominally a tight end, but that's that's shortchanging, I think, Pitts' expectations and where he can play in the field. Absolutely. It, in, in, and I did not watch a whole lot of Florida college football last season, but, you know, this is seemingly a player that maybe starts in the, in the you know, in the slot or at the end of the line as a tight end, but splits out, comes back in, it's just moved around and, you know, can be a, a player very early that, the Falcons just say, we want to get the ball in this guy's hands and we're going to do what we need to do to make that happen. So totally agree with you. I think for myself, you know, he Pitts was a 6-12 to player and similar to Ridley, actually, I'm not sure even with Julio leaving, I can put him ag- above that kind of locked in top five from a tight end standpoint. But for me, maybe the ceiling increases pretty exponentially if he becomes the two receiving option on that team. And, you know, I think there's debate about whether or not Matt Ryan is a viable NFL quarterback, real life football quarterback, but from a fantasy standpoint, you know, not quite to the rush, to the level of Russ Wilson, but uh, a quarterback that I'm happy to attach myself to from an offensive weapon standpoint. Agreed. Agreed. Um, awesome. So I, th- I think that that wraps up our, our Seattle discussion overall. Sure. Not excited about that. Sure. Titans. I'm sure you got the sleeper notification the other day that said the Titans seem to be the most likely destination. Uh, AJ Brown apparently reached out lobbying to him. Hard lobbying, hard. yeah, lobbying hard. What would you make of a move where he ends up on the Titans? I mean, again, just to to quickly jump to NFL football here for a second. What an awesome landing spot for Julio if if it actually comes yep. to fruition. That I mean, that offense is already hyper efficient maybe too efficient and maybe temper some expectations there but you know to have to choose between you know trying to stop aj brown and julio through the air it's terrifying and then derrick henry in the backfield i I don't know is there is there a better threesome of offensive weapons in the nfl right now there we can debate that but there's definitely no more intimidating threesome in the nfl yes i mean all of those guys are are oversized for their position and extremely skilled yep yeah so yeah i I totally agree there i think we're we're aligned on that one from a fantasy standpoint this is seattle light to me i would say yeah um i think aj brown just really not had a two in his in his entire time i i am somewhat of a believer still in Corey davis we'll see what happens on the jets this season but 
there has not been really someone that is taking attention away from A.J. Brown and his entire NFL career. That, that, that person might have been Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is still there. So, you know, Der- uh, A.J. Brown has proved that he can be kind of that one and that alpha on a, on a team here. And adding Julio, while a great NFL move, I think, just takes away targets from, from, uh, from A.J. Brown. That being said, I will say that we are down a, a tight end from the Titans this season. And I know you have, you know, some thoughts about the, the tight end that is taking over from Janu, but Janu to me was a legit receiving option and he is not there. So, you know, maybe those are some opposing forces of those targets do have to go to somewhere and that somewhere could be Julio. Are you confident that if Julio comes to Tennessee, AJ Brown is the wide receiver one? Yes, I am. Because, you know, I think it takes time even with a, with a veteran like Julio to get used to an offense and, and get used to a quarterback. And from the little that I saw last season, that's not a question for Tannehill and, and Brown. I yep. mean, that, that connection is there. And um, although, you know, I think Julio is can still be a productive, productive wide receiver – you know, I don't know if Tannehill necessarily has the huge arm. That's not that to me is not why the Tennessee offense is successful, and AJ Brown is just a, a monster. He's you know you don't have to really throw the ball fifty yards down the field and let him go up for it. You can throw him underneath route to him, and he will just run through guys just because he's just a massive human being. Yep. Yeah. For for me, I don't think I discount AJ Brown here. If Julio ends up on Tennessee, we had so many vacated targets between. Corey Davis, Jonu Smith. Um, am I missing someone? Was Adam Humphreys on yeah, Tennessee? He, he, he might have been, but yeah, you know, he, the bulk of the targets are are from Corey. Corey and, Davis uh, and Jonu Smith and for sure, and and not even just targets. the The red zone targets that Jonu was seeing sure. are probably either all going to AJ Brown and or Anthony Ferkser, who is the tight end that that I am interested in in late rounds of drafts as you alluded to um so i think uh, agreed with you for the most part there what about the pats yeah i mean this is maybe one of the most interesting landing spots because i think we have difference of opinion when it comes to when it comes to cam um for me yeah i don't i don't know what you're alluding to well i i i don't want cam even for even for the value right now, um, and by that I mean, you know, I think he's going to be probably one of the last quarterbacks taken in a twelve-team draft, and, and might go undrafted. I think he will go undrafted. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know if I can trust Cam to get the ball in anyone's hands right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have a difference in, in opinion here. Okay. Uh, this is. Uh, I am praying to the universe that this does not happen, because. I, I think Julio's value takes a massive hit. Cam's maybe slightly increases, but who cares? And then all of those other weapons who you were already not really interested in, interested in, also become, you know, c- completely obsolete essentially for fantasy purposes. Yeah. All right. So I mean, that's. I guess we are are aligned there. You know, I, Cam hasn't had a an alpha weapon it seems like in in a couple of years i mean mean, really never kelvin benjamin well i I think he had some maybe okay receiving options when he was still on the panthers i mean he worked with dj moore his 
rookie year. You know, it, I think we can confidently say that Julio would be the yes. best would be the best weapon that Cam has ever had. So, yes. you know, maybe there's some uncertainty there, but yeah, I just I don't know what to expect from Cam, and even with a talent like Julio, I don't want to attach myself to a quarterback who might struggle to get the ball and you know to my receiver. Um, and yeah, to your point there, I mean, the Patriots added weapons you know the ball has to go to hunter henry it has to go to has to go to johnny those guys are on really expensive contracts for the tight end position um you know we've got just enough sort of second tier receiving options in guys like Aguilar and and jacoby myers that you know maybe if those guys weren't there i'd be more confident in julio getting getting the volume that he needs um you know i, I love julio but julio i think in 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 my recollection is successful because he gets volume and he's gets he gets looks as a legit target I, i'm not expecting julio to get two receptions and like tyree kill go break an 80 yarder for, right. for a touchdown every single game um so to me you know of the of the list so far this is probably my least exciting spot although it's close between that and and seattle seattle is a good quarterback but the volume issue from number of mouths to feed this is not a volume issue at all, but I question the viability of the quarterback to receiver and connection. the quality of that volume. Yes, we have to think is is going to be a little bit bit worse. Yes, I, I'm gonna um, speed through a few of these, give give quick thoughts, but jump in if you sure. have any differing opinions. Sure, Cardinals. I don't believe he's actually going to go to, but I'd be unhappy about it. It would hurt a little bit of DeAndre Hopkins' value that's just a very crowded wide receiving room with Julio. They added AJ Green. You have Christian Kirk. They drafted Rondell Moore. You know, it's not exciting, especially in an offense where their quarterback is a running back. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I am still going to be on the Christian Kirk train this season, probably given his, given what his ADP will and what it'll cost. Um, and the Cardinals are becoming too many mouths to feed on, yep. on that offense. I, I'm, I'm, I'm of course going to be an on nuke, but any anything else on that on that offense is just going to scare me from having too much volume. I mean, we'll see if it happens if it affects any of the other wide receivers, but um, uh, um, they just signed a running back as well too, right? They just signed James James Conner, yes, um, and we know that he can be, uh, you know, he can be a threat out of the backfield. So yes. again, just increasing increasing amount of mouse to feed in that offense and adding something like Julio does not really, you know, move the needle for me there. Agreed. 49ers feel 49ers and Browns both feel like similar situations. I think with to, to the Cardinals, I mean, 49ers have Brandon Ayuk, have Debo Samuel. If they added Julio Jones, I assume Julio would be the one, but then, you know, that that's disappointing from the standpoint of if you own Ayuk in or Samuel in a keeper or a dynasty league, um, plus their quarterback play is a little iffy. So that would not be uh, hugely, you know, super exciting for me. Um, and, and similar situation with the Browns, you know, run first offense, as which I didn't even say for the 49ers, but that is the case. Run first offense for the Browns. We have Odell there. We have um, Jarvis Landry. They like their tight ends. Very crowded rooms that he'd be entering. Yeah, similar to the Pats for me, probably, with maybe slightly better quarterback play ex- you know, expected. Agreed. I do want to talk about the Colts. 
the Colts, to me, would be a very interesting landing spot for Julio and one where I'd be really excited for Julio's value. I might be a, more in on Carson Wentz than most people are this year. I, I, I don't expect him to be great, but that Colts team is set up for success, man. And, and if, if Wentz is just okay, that team could, be, could easily be Super Bowl bound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it sounds like we're talking a little bit about you know NFL football here, and I think. Well, let me first ask: Where are you on Pittman right now? So, Pittman is my favorite of the three receivers in Indy right now. Those being Pittman, Paris Campbell, and T. Y. Hilton. But I also think that it's a little bit of a crapshoot. It reminds me a lot of the Giants last year where you had Slayton, Golden Tate, and Sterling Shepard, and it was kind of, you know, call your shot on who sure. the wide receiver one will be. Feels very similar here. This, more than more so than a lot of these other teams that we named, he would be coming into a both a good team and a situation where he would easily be the clear-cut wide receiver one. And so as a Julio fan, I would be excited about that from a football perspective and from a fantasy football perspective. Yeah, I agree. I um, and you know, Wentz is a little scary in terms of attaching yourself to him as a as a quarterback. Yes. Um, but I am more hopeful for Wentz, I think, than you know Garoppolo for however long that lasts. I'm more excited about Wentz on the Colts than I am for for Cam on the on the Patriots at this point. So, and you know, to that end. We, you know, we ran through the list of some of those, some of those, you know, offensive weapons where you've got Ayuk and Debo on the Niners. You've got, you know, Aguilar and Myers and now Hunter Henry and John New on the, on the Patriots. I, I like Pittman and I think I might even be in on T.Y. where, you know, given his, given his ADP this season, but Julio walks in and he, he is the option there. And, you know, we've got a great line for Wentz to, 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 you know, to play behind, um, Got a really solid running game, um, which will be interesting as we get closer to, to draft season to figure that one out because that's, you know, one of the more confusing and harder to read, you know, running back rooms in the in the league right now. Um, but in terms of setting Julio up for success, I mean, this might be the best option on the list that we've talked about so far. I agree. The Chargers are another interesting one where... I think it would definitely be good for them in real life. Yep. For fantasy purposes, I th- I think that Julio's value would be pretty solid as well. I don't think I'd be as in on him as if he were to go to the Titans. Although maybe, I, you know, I'm a little back and forth there, but the Chargers... I think he's. St- I think if he goes to the Chargers, he steps in and pretty much replaces Mike Williams' role, and is m- much better than Mike Williams. As, as you know, I I am actually a believer in Mike Williams' talent, but uh, it's Julio Jones that we're talking about. Justin Herbert, young quarterback who can definitely throw the ball. You know, new and improved offense. Better line. Better line. It, it's very much possible that he goes to the Chargers and sees some real some real volume. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, a little, a little disappointing for me personally there because I, I also might be in on Mike Williams this season, depending on how that goes. Again, that's a player who I, I love the talent but just cannot seem to stay on the field. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we talked about a couple of teams with really good quarterbacks so far. We've talked about Seattle, talked about, uh, you know, the Cardinals with with uh, with Kyler, who, although I think we proper, you know, correctly assess as maybe even more of a running back than we'd like him to be, but the arm talent seems to be there for Kyler. Yeah. Um, but you know, on this list in terms of who I want as the quarterback throwing to my wide receiver. Herbert might be the the number one person, number one option for me, anyways. Agreed. Um, you know, and that's maybe con- you know considering also that Seattle wants to really be a a, a run first op- offense. Ideally, that's not seeming being the case for for the Chargers. We'll see. Obviously, we have a coaching change. Um, so you know we're, we're sort of prognosticating a little bit in terms of what that offense looks like. But again, you know. I don't think we're starved for for volume here. Um, that team just lost Hunter Henry, which was I think a pretty considerable part of their offense over the past couple of seasons. Yes, I think you know Mike Williams' value does take a pretty tremendous hit here if Julio does end up on that team. And again, you know we're, we're playing behind uh, probably a, a way better line this season than than last season, which seemed to be their Achilles' heel. I, you know, everyone seemed to love the Rashawn Slater pick. I, I liked Slater as well coming out of the draft. Um, so, you know, giving Herbert, who already has shown the talent, more time to throw to uh, a weapon like with the talent of Julio, I don't know what you don't like about that about that yep. outcome. Yep. Two two more teams that, personally, I don't really believe he's going to end up on, but have have been part of the talk, so, so we'll throw them out. Jets and the Jags. Any thoughts on either of those? I'm sure you have thoughts on the Jets. <laughs> We're Jets fans, which we should probably yeah. also mention. Get out of the way early. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Jags seems more likely because the the Jags seem committed to really giving Lawrence weapons. Um, you know, that wide receiver room is not exciting for me at this point. I, I'm, I, I liked Chark last season, but I was definitely disappointed in, in what the output was there. Um, I, I still think he can be productive fantasy wide receiver um but you know we're looking at rookie quarterbacks here um I, there's got to be value there if, if Julio does go to the Jags but I I think it's it's got to be a lot lower than even some of the other options on on the on the list right now too even even with the the volume opportunity I'm just not excited about that offense in general this coming season um Jets are in kind of the same boat I mean you know we don't know what their offense is going to look like we're just coming out of the Gase area, which is an absolute dumpster fire, and and you know hopefully the only way is up for for offense for that team. Um, but you know who knows? I Corey Davis, I think, is is a legitimate wide receiver. Um, obviously, Julio walks into that team and is the one instantly. But I think I want to see it with with Wilson a little bit first um, before really committing to that to that offense and. You know that line. I think will will be better with the with the drafting of Elijah Vera Tucker and and with hopefully Mackay Becton continuing to progress. But I, I would temper expectations for for me at least if if Julio winds up on the Jets. Yep, agreed. Overall, we 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 just broke down every at least mentioned sure. landing spot. Is any situation for Julio specifically better than his situation in Atlanta? For fantasy purposes, yeah. Um, well, l- let me first ask you this question, if you don't mind. Does the Falcons taking Pitts move Julio for you at all? If Julio stays on the Falcons, no, not for me. They um, had always used 
there, you know, 2019 Austin Hooper was finished as I know a top five tight end. I don't have it offhand specifically where he finished, but he was utilized very, very heavily. Was one of the best tight ends for fantasy. And even last year, um, I remember who's their third. Uh, Russell Gage yes. had some fantasy relevance here and there. We thought Hayden Hurst would have more relevance than he did. Yep. But the point, my point is, they're they've always been able to support three receiving options in Atlanta. Yeah, I have no reason to believe that that will change. All right, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the list, I, I think the Colts and the Chargers jump out for me. Um, because for me, looking at this list, those are landing spots where I am excited or at least you know happy about the volume. And the quarterback play should be sufficient enough to, you know, have Julio be a, you know, be a hopefully a top 10 or maybe even higher than that wide receiver everywhere else you know there there is a mix of volume opportunity and or you know quarterback talent and you know again we talked about it at the top of the top of the show here Matt Ryan I think you can debate in terms of you know NFL quarterback but from fantasy standpoint I'm happy to attach myself to, to Matt Ryan agreed the only other team that I would throw out that I, I would be interested in is the Titans. I might be a bigger believer believer in Tannehill than you are. I'm not sure. I, I think that that would be interesting and uh, he would definitely see the volume and it, it'd definitely be interesting. The last thing that we should talk about, where do we actually believe that he'll end up? Let's do this. I'll count down from three. At three, we'll both say oh, where boy. we actually believe he will end up. Ready? And and presumably, you know, I need to think about this one for a second, but presumably Atlanta is, is on the list, right? Presumably Atlanta is on the list, yes. All right. Good? Yeah. Three, two, one. Patriots. Patriots yep. <laughs> and I think that that's, I think that we say that because we're Jets fans. I think that we believe that the Patriots can get whatever they want because they have for the last 20 years. The The news, the newest news would indicate that he is not going to the Patriots, probably either the Titans or the Seahawks. But for whatever reason, I just feel like it's going to work out for the Patriots. Well, but also let's think about what makes sense here. Um, you know, we had a departure from the typical Bill Belichick era Patriots, you know, this, this off season, yep. the one, the Patriots spend an absolute ton of money in a free agency, which is they never do. not something we're used to. And they took a quarterback in the first round as well too. And yes, there is one reason for that. And that reason's name is Tom Brady as to why that has not been the case over the past, you know, it seems like 20 ish years. Um, but maybe we're looking at a, a, you know, a new system here for the Patriots and, you know, can you really blame them? It hasn't really been all that successful for them over the past couple of seasons. You know, I think the the Jets, excuse me, the Jags have been more vocal and forthcoming with it that their intention is to really try and surround Lawrence with as much talent as possible, and you know that that is I think underlined probably best by the the IDN pick in the in the second in the uh, the, the excuse me second first round that they had, but 
if you know you're in the front office for the Patriots and you're looking at your hopeful future franchise quarterback and Mac Jones, do whatever you can to surround him with weapons that make him successful. And I don't know, is there a available better weapon right now in the league than Julio? Not, Not on my of. list. No. All right. I guess we'll see with Julio. Um, let's move on and talk about some player movement that has actually happened. Um, and for, for the purposes of this conversation, we'll be focusing on fantasy impact, obviously, of the major offseason transactions. We'll, we'll start talking about hype and rookies um, in future episodes. So this is, is focused on a, essentially a belated free agent rundown. So we'll go position by position, starting with QBs. The first one, one of the biggest moves of the offseason, the Stafford Goff trade. So Stafford was traded from the Lions to the Rams. Jared Goff was traded from the Rams to the Lions. What are your general thoughts, fantasy implications of that trade? Yeah, well, so this is this is the Rams going all in, which seems impossible because it seems like the Rams have been going all in for the past <laughs> three or four seasons. I at some point I would have to imagine the salary cap catches up to them, although it, it doesn't hasn't happened yet <laughs> yeah, from what I understand. Yet. Um, you know, I guess they keep on giving away first round picks, which, you know, to get players like Stafford, like Jalen Ramsey, maybe that's the, the way to do it. Um, but, you know, f- I think the first implication here is the Rams offense in general. Um, Goff was okay at times over his, you know, couple years on, on LA. Um, but I don't think anyone is debating that Stafford is a huge upgrade, um, I mean, you got to love this if you're a Woods or a Cup owner. Um, I think there's even implications here if you're a, if you're a Higby owner, uh, you know, especially with Gerald Everett uh, leaving, the, uh, leaving the team. So just generally positive, I think, news for, for pretty much that entire Rams offense. Um, I certainly want to hear from you about Robert Woods. I know you're a huge, uh, huge fanboy. Um, Bobby Woods, baby! And on the other side of that, I think if, you know, you're a Lions offensive owner and I don't even know what that would entail at this point maybe you've got Swift and Swift and Dynasty um you know just not good news I, you know Galladay's obviously off that team Marvin Lewis is off that team I don't even know what that wide receiver room looks like right now but I just can't imagine their offense being anything this season yeah we'll, we'll talk about the Lions receivers a, a, in a little bit to me yeah I mean Goff's value took a hit not that you were really drafting Goff beforehand anyway. Sure. Um, I do really like Hawkinson. Goff uses his tight ends, and Hawkinson is probably going to be the number one receiving option on that team. So that's that's what I'll say there. For the Rams, you're absolutely right. I'm a huge, huge, huge Robert Woods fanboy. I, to me, he's just perennially, perennially undervalued. This year, where I'm seeing him go in drafts seems to be around where I want to take him, um, you know, third-ish round. So he's actually being properly valued to me, but for some reason Cooper Cup seems to be undervalued, where that doesn't make sense to me because, I mean, point being, I want both of them very, very, very much. I think Stafford is going to kill it. I, I am interested in Stafford as a late-round QB flyer. Sure. And the Rams, in real-life football easy Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. And just to drive that point home as well, too, uh, Woods, last, you know, if PPR finished over the past couple of seasons, 
13, 14, 11 over the past three seasons. I, you know, I don't know what you don't like about that, especially as a player who you've kind of been consistently getting in the in the late third, maybe even like fourth, usually, fourth, yeah. mid fourth round over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, he he. You draft him as the wide receiver twenty ish, and he always finishes between eleven and fourteen. It's crazy. So who do you want on that? Uh, you know, in that offense now, between the two of them. Yeah. Honestly, it to me it depends, and this is always the case for Woods versus Cup. To me, it depends who you already have on your team when you're drafting. So if I have an um, an Amari Cooper who I see as maybe a little bit more boom bust, though he was very consistent last season, um, then I want Robert Woods for the consistency, the safe floor. Okay. If I have someone I see as more consistent but maybe not as high a ceiling, so maybe Stefan Diggs. Maybe that's a bad example, but point being, that I, that's someone I see as a real consistency monster, so then I want some touchdown upside from Cooper Cup. That's how I typically view it um, season to season, and, and that doesn't change Goff versus Stafford. I think that's how I, how I have it as well, too. Um that being said, those players are probably going to end up very close together in my rankings. Yep. To drive that point home, Cup over the last you know two seasons. Last season was wide receiver twenty six, which I think is probably could be considered a disappointing season from yeah, him. Absolutely. Season before he finished wide receiver five though. Yeah. PPR. And that was touchdown regression, I believe. Yes, I mean he had ten touchdowns in in twenty nineteen, and I don't think you can account for that. Um, but it's you know to your point there, if you're looking for some touchdown upside, and that was with Goff as well too, so yep. you're potentially getting good, better quarterback play there. Yeah, and more scoring opportunities, I would imagine. Uh, Ten touchdowns is not as not at all, at all out of the question for Cup this year. Yeah. So, all right. The other big trade that happened was Carson Wentz to the Colts. We already talked about the Colts in the Julio segment. Uh, I think we are in agreement that the Colts are a great team. Wentz, to me, has some interest. Uh, Again, more of a later-round QB flyer, not someone I'm banking on being super successful. But for real-life football, I think it'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think Wentz is probably going to crack my top 12, you know, in in redraft. And, you know, I think what we can talk more about are our, you know, strategies and our philosophies when it comes to roster construction as we get closer to the actual draft season. Yeah. But I'm not someone that really ever likes to roster two quarterbacks unless I have someone like a Mahomes or maybe a Dak Prescott and I'm having to get through a bye week. Um, so I think he will probably be in that 12 to 15-ish range for me. Um, you know, we said we're going to talk about our own leagues here. We've got a dynasty draft coming up to, to start the league here. And Wentz could be someone where, um, you know, maybe that's my second my second quarterback. Uh, you know, as someone who I am hoping that the potential the Eagles once saw really comes to fruition on a different team and can be hopefully my consistent quarterback for the next couple of seasons. Agreed. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with the Washington football team. Fitzpatrick to me is every single year he has fantasy value. But he's never going to be drafted as a top 12 quarterback or probably even he's, he's probably going to go undrafted in most redraft formats, right? Yeah, I'd have to think so. And almost definitely he'll be at the very least startable week to week. 
Yeah, I think this is probably one of the premier bye week options in in the league right now. Um, Fitzpatrick had a couple of monster weeks last season. Yeah. Um, you know, he finished as I'm looking at the at the numbers right now. He finished as quarterback 2070. He played nine games, so he played essentially half the season. Um, you know, I don't think it's really worth digging into that decision by the, the, the Dolphins all that much. Right. But, you know, this is a productive NFL quarterback. And, you know, I think we're talking primarily about Fitzpatrick. But am I a little bit more excited now for Terry McLaurin? Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. That whole offense, Antonio Gibson, I think, gets a bump. J.D. McKissick, maybe McKissick doesn't just because Alex Smith constantly checked down. But, you know, the point being there will be more scoring opportunities for that entire offense. Um, And also, last year, Fitzpatrick, you kind of, we kind of knew that at some point Tua would almost definitely take over. Sure. That's not the case here. There's no Tua equivalent. I don't even know who their number two quarterback is right now because they got rid of um, Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith retired. So I don't even know who their number two is. It doesn't matter because it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick unless he gets injured. And and this could be a good team as well, too. It's not like this is a 100%. team where they've signed Fitzpatrick to bridge them to the next quarterback. The roster construction for the Washington football team is pretty good right now. They have decent offensive weapons. That that defense like looks really good right now. Um, you know, Chase Young, I think, was starting to live up his depend live up to his potential last season. Um, so this is a team where they are intending to, you know, push for the playoffs or even make the playoffs. And in their assessment, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback that might be able to lead them there. Absolutely. I I fully expect the football team to be in the playoffs this season and potentially um potentially get into the second round. We shall see that NFC East will be uh, will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean the point is they got there this season, and I can I still expect them to be the best team in that division. Um, Andy give me, Dalton, give, give me Dak for a full season, and we'll, we'll figure that. One yeah, out. fair enough, but we'll, we'll see. Andy Dalton signed with the Bears. At the time, we thought that that meant that he was going to be the QB there. I still think that he's going to start the season, but they drafted Justin Fields. I think for the Bears' offensive weapons, namely Allen Robinson, nothing really changes. Would you agree from from Nick Foles slash Trubisky to Andy Dalton? That's a that's a slight upgrade for me. I think. Okay. Um, you know, Allen Robinson last season seemed like a player where through three and a half quarters he'd have seven points on three yeah. receptions for 40 yards and inevitably you know at the end of the last drive of the game he'd pick up you know five receptions from falls for 50 yards and finish with somewhere between 15 and 20 fantasy points um to me at least dalton's a slightly better quarterback um you know that's one i think you really do have to watch as we get closer to the season from who is going to start standpoint um you know the bears were annoyingly secretive about their their quarterback selection last yes. season um we really did not know who was going to be the starter they're going in until very very late um so i would think you know for for me i'm going to assume for right now that dalton is the, is the starter going into week one and wait to hear anything different um you know if justin fields is the starter week one is that better or worse for Allen robinson I think over, you know, so I'm a Justin Fields 
believer. Um, you know, some Jets talk is going to sneak into this podcast, you know, just because of, of our allegiances. Um, and although I was certainly in on Wilson as the, you know, as the second pick and as the Jets pick, I would have been fine with Fields. I think Fields is a good talent. Um, so I think in the short term, that probably is a downgrade for Robinson. But over the course of the season, you know, if you could superimpose, you know, hypothetically Al Robinson season with Dalton versus Al Robinson season with Fields, I think you're probably not going to have a whole lot of difference there. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree. And, and especially for dynasty purposes, very excited about Fields, both Fields the player, but also Allen Robinson's value with Fields as the quarterback. Yep, I agree. Um, two more, less notable, but I think still important to talk about, Tyrod to the Texans and Trubisky to the Bills. Important for just different reasons. Tyrod to the Texans could have just been a backup move, or the Texans might be planning to not have Deshaun Watson, either because he's cut because of legal issues, or he's traded because he doesn't want to play for the Texans. That's really the only thing notable to me. I think Texans pieces are going to be bad this season overall. I mean, there's some interest based on their ADP, but the Texans will probably be the the 32nd of 32 NFL teams this year. Yeah, I'd have to imagine. I mean, I, I think back to you know, last season when we were, or was it two seasons ago or last season when Tyrod started out as the, as a Chargers quarterback? That was last season, yeah. Last season. So, you know, the interest there, I think, was the potential rushing upside for Tyrod, but I, I also think you had a little bit more of a safer floor because you had Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry as weapons on that team. Uh, the Texans' weapons are not nearly as exciting, in my opinion. Um, you know, this is going to be one where Tyrod might finish in like kind of the 20-ish range because of some of that rushing, but you're only going to be looking at him as, I think, a deeper fill-in option for the bye week, and we just talked about, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick that, you know, off the top of my head is a far more attractive option, and I think even Dalton is a more attractive option to fill in on a week basis than someone like Tyrod if he is starting. Absolutely. The only other one that I mentioned was Trubisky to the Bills. He'll be backing up Josh Allen. No fantasy value for Trubisky, except I think in Dynasty, this actually might be good for Trubisky. Potentially, you know, get his feet back under him, gain some confidence on a good on a good team, maybe get some playing time here and there, and then we'll see if he signs another contract after this year. Moving on to the running backs, the biggest news was two top running backs staying put, Aaron Jones in Green Bay, Chris Carson in Seattle. Aaron Jones, let's let's assume Aaron Rodgers plays for Green Bay this season. Aaron Jones is a top what running back? He's a top eight running back for me right now. Okay, for me, probably six or seven. If Rodgers does not play... For Green Bay, Aaron Jones is a an RB. What are we? Are we assuming Jordan Love is the quarterback? Jordan Love is the quarterback. Um, I think Aaron Jones drops for me to a top twelve running back. Okay, for me, I think the drop is a little steeper to somewhere in the ten to fifteen range. 
can we talk through that? What's your, I want to hear your rationale. Scoring, scoring opportunities. I think Aaron Jones gets a lot of his points from touchdowns. I don't have the numbers offhand, but I think it was like 19 in 2019 and 13 or so in 2020, something along those lines. I think that significantly drops with Jordan Love as the quarterback. Um, I think the volume will still be there. It's just the quality of that opportunity is going to go down a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the the scoring the scoring opportunities is a great point. Um, just looking at, at Aaron Jones' touchdowns over the past couple of seasons, nine in 2020, which I think is you know attainable even maybe even okay. with Jordan Love there, but yeah, 16 definitely attainable. in 2019. Okay, so um, I, I I inflated those numbers a bit, but nine is attainable, but I I'm worried. I, I'm worried about that. Yeah, I I think I am too, and and you know, uh, D, you know, Devonte presumably is well for the Packers' sake, hopefully still there, even if Rodgers is not. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see about that. But, uh, you know, that's one where, for me, I, if I was a defensive coordinator preparing for the week ahead for the Packers and Rodgers not on the team anymore, I don't have any reason not to stack the box for the entire straight game and exactly. try and make Jordan Love beat me over, you know, through the air. So Exactly. Um, you know, I – I think the the volume is going to be there. Um, I I believe in Aaron Jones's talent, and that's why for me he's still a twelve, you know, in that range. And you know, the twelve-ish range I think is when it starts to get a little sketchy for me from a running back standpoint in general. So I will, you know, if that's the case, I will buy the talent and the volume there, hopefully, um, for Jones. Agreed. And. Before the Rodgers news came out, we were happy with Aaron Jones re-signing in Green Bay for the Aaron Jones value. Yes. It obviously is bad for a guy like A.J. Dillon, but for Aaron Jones, you know, we're happy to that he's staying in the same place where we know he can be super successful. Yep. Chris Carson um, also re-signed with Seattle. Chris Carson, no, no quarterback question for him. Chris Carson is a top blank RB for you. I think Carson is in the, well, you said top. So I think Chris Carson is a top 20 running back for me. Okay. I th- I think he's, yeah, he, he's, he's in the 15 to 20 range. Chris Carson is the Robert Woods of the running back position. Every single season, his fantasy finish I mean, you know, I'm not checking the numbers on this, but at least the way it feels, every single season, his fantasy finishes better than his ADP. And you know that he's going to give you a consistent floor. And if I have, you know, if if I have a guy who I know can get me 10 points a game because the Seahawks love to hand it off, and when he's having a good game, he has the, the ceiling of 20 to 25 points, that's exactly what I want for my RB2. Yeah, I I'm looking at the finish right now over the past couple of seasons for for PPR. So 19, 12, and 16. That's working from 2020 backwards. And important to keep in mind that Carson played 12 games last season. Right. So, um, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but presumably on a, uh, you know, if he had played the full season, um, would have been better than 19. And you know, that is something I think to consider for Carson. He, 
Um, you know, he does get banged up. He's gonna he's probably gonna miss one or two games a, a season. I think that's something yes. we've kind of established at this point. But again, that being said, you know, where Carson is going right now, we are in the you know, firmly in the running back two. Maybe you can even get him as a running back three if you want to be aggressive in kind of that late fourth, early fifth round. And for the floor that he's offering with you, you know, offering you that offense is one that you want to be attached to from a fantasy standpoint. And from an offensive philosophy, again, we've talked about this already with with some of the Wills, you know, some of the Julio news in terms of landing spot. That is an offense that wants to be run first as well. Agreed. Um, the yeah, I, I don't think we need to say any more. Carson is a good running back, and for his his value, again, very excited to see him back in Seattle. Mike Davis to the Falcons. When this happened, I was not excited because who cares? But the Falcons have not signed another running back and drafted one, I think, in the sixth round, seventh round. Not a guy that they invested a lot of draft capital in. My point being, Mike Davis looks to be the starter for the Falcons this season. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I'm interested to hear kind of where you are on Mike Davis, given that, because we have a pretty big sample size from last season with him filling in while McCaffrey was out. Yeah, and he did a pretty good job um, filling in while McCaffrey was out. I think that he, that the um, sort of sentiment towards him in the fantasy community is a little overvalued. I think that people remember him as being this really, really, really great handcuff. And he was for a few games, but then towards the back half of the season, he really wasn't anything special. I don't think that he's a great running back. I think that he's a fine running back. I think he's a solid backup running back. But in fantasy, opportunity is king, volume is king, not talent. And he is probably going to have a huge opportunity on the Falcons and I, I might argue that he's better right now than Todd Gurley was last year. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, you know, he he finished as running back 12 in PPR, which is ridiculous for yeah. someone that was probably not. I mean, maybe he was drafted as a super late handcuff sure. if you're a McCaffrey owner. Um, but, you know, his, his start to this season when McCaffrey went down was monstrous. He was... You know, I, I can't be defined as a league winner because he did tail off towards the end. But if you're a McCaffrey owner and you had, you know, you were lucky enough to have drafted Mike Davis as a handcuff, you probably saved your season. Yeah, he if kept you, you made afloat. The playoffs. Um, and if you happen to be, you know, some genius and you picked up Mike Davis, you know, and you didn't have McCaffrey, you suddenly had another running back one on your team that you could either try and trade away or you could slot into your lineup for the first, you know, eight ish weeks of the season. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's it's going to be interesting. The volume really should be there unless the Falcons make another move, um, and you know Davis was productive with the opportunity, but remains to be seen if term in terms of if he can do that over the course of a full NFL season. Yeah, and on a much different team than the Panthers, who are essentially using him as Christian McCaffrey. Sure. The the I think the key with Mike Davis is it depends where. He's going in drafts. In the mock drafts that I've been doing, he's been going in, I think, the sixth-ish round. I'll take a starting running back in the sixth round every single time. 
but if his value creeps up to like the fourth-ish round, I'll probably be out there based on some of the other names that I can get. Yeah, absolutely. Kenyon Drake to the Raiders is one of the most frustrating moves that happened, at least in my opinion. Because I think that, I mean, I think it'll be good for the Raiders. I don't think it was the right way for them to spend their money. I don't think they needed to get another running back. I think it'll be good. I think it'll help their offense. But to me, it devalues Josh Jacobs, and I'm not interested in Kenyon Drake. Yeah, that, that's my word for that movie is gross from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. Um, I did not have Josh Jacobs anywhere last season, um, and I think, from my understanding, could you know could at times be a frustrating player to own. Um, but you know, this is the Raiders; they they zig whenever no sags. Um, so it's not overly surprising they'd make a move like this. But as an owner of Kenyon Drake previously, when he was on you know the Cardinals and nominally had a good opportunity. This is this not a player I'm going to be in on at all, and and to your point, I think it really does hurt Josh Jacobs' value coming into the season. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, we're agreed. We're we're both out on Kenyon Drake. Like he he's a handcuff at best to me. I mean, maybe he has a little bit more value than that, but I'm, that's not how I'm going to draft him. I do think that it's a little overblown the Josh Jacobs hit. I think Josh Jacobs was already getting fantasy points taken away from him by guys like Jalen Richard, Devontae Booker, and those were already... That that was already frustrating. I think that Kenyon Drake is just going to be getting all of those secondary running back touches and then eating into Josh Jacobs' value a little bit, but not a ton. Josh Jacobs was frustrating to own, but he finished as, I believe, the RB8 in PPR. You, you, you can check me on that. You know, if he, if Josh Jacobs drops down to... RB12, that's still a valuable running back, especially where you're getting him in the third or fourth round right now. Yeah, yeah. And Jacobs did finish as as RB8, so a little surprising to me there. I thought he had yeah. a little bit worse finish. Um, yeah, I, I just... Well, let me, let me ask you this. Is there any chance that this ends up being a chubb kareem hunt light situation in Las Vegas? No, because both players are so much worse than the two Browns players. Josh Jacobs is better than Kareem Hunt, I think, but Chubb is way better than Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, and Hunt is a way better, too, than Kenyon Drake is. Sure. And they have a better scheme for it with Kevin Stefanski and a really good O-line. The Raiders are just a mess. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And that's and going into the season, you know, so in, in your mock drafts, where is Jacobs going? In the mid-second? No, no. Um, he's going in like the mid-third to early fourth, I believe. And that's the thing. He's being drafted as probably the RB between 15 and 20 when he'll probably be the RB 12 to 15. So point being, you can get some value there. We'll move on to two, another two, you know, moves by the Texans that are a little bit of of head scratchers. Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram, both signing with the Texans. I mean, gross. Also, right? I thought we were done with these moves when Bill O'Brien got fired. Yeah, I know. I don't I know not. what the Texans are doing. They re-signed David Johnson and then signed 
two I mean Mark Ingram is a veterans veteran Philip Lindsay I guess we can call a veteran at this point a good running back they'll all probably eat into each other's touches and render each other meaningless for fantasy and and David Johnson who by the way who I think exceeded expectations last 100%. season he finished as RB21 in PPR um certainly was not going as as the 21st running back at least in my recollection um you know I I don't know if he was necessarily productive in you know real football terms but I mean you can't be on the Texans yeah I mean I just such a baffling move and also a, a bummer for me for Philip Lindsay I think Mark Ingram was trending down even towards the end of last season on the Ravens you know that really seemed like J.K. Dobbins's team um or backfield I should say by the uh, by the end last season but Philip Lindsay a guy who has who has been a thousand yard rusher I believe too so yeah I think for him not to, to end up on in a better situation where you know hopefully he can stay healthy and and be productive super super disappointing agreed Jamal Williams signed with the Lions I think this is this is a weird one because the Lions are going to be a bad team, I think. I think we're in agreement there. But Jamal Williams does have some opportunity. They seem to really like him. He was the he was primarily used as a pass catcher on Green Bay, but I'm not sure that that's how he'll be used in Detroit who has DeAndre Swift who whom they gave four targets a game to last season any any thoughts on Jamal I mean it's he's interesting to me yeah uh, I think he he has to be taken probably in the later rounds as what you know maybe your RB5 or 6 even that you throw a dart at and you know if if DeAndre Swift happens to go down I think Jamal Williams has yeah. shown enough that he can you know prove to be a a, a solid maybe even RB2 um for me, if I was a Swift owner, a little worrying, I would say. Yep. Um, he was always, I think, on the Packers, a thorn in Aaron Jones' owner's side where there were situations and times when Aaron Jones' talent should have had him out in the field. And for some reason, you know, the the, the Packers' coaching staff and uh, and LaFleur were sending, were sending Jamal Williams out to be in the backfield. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... As you said, this is not an offense I really want to attach myself to at all. I, I think you still have to draft DeAndre Swift because of one the talent and the and the volume there. Um, but again, a little nervous with with a Jamal Jamal Williams signing. That being said, though, we are down one carry on Johnson from the Lions roster as well. So, you know, if if Jamal is not getting all of whatever carry on's volume and opportunity was. Maybe some of that does go to Swift, and, and that rebalances a little bit. There. True, but I, I actually think Williams is going to end up seeing more work than Carrion did last season. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. The last one that I want to make sure we talk about is Malcolm Brown to the Dolphins. And the reason that I want to talk about it is because I don't think that it's being talked about enough. I, as you know, am a huge Miles Gaskin believer and huge Miles Gaskin fan. Malcolm Brown will eat into Gaskin's value, in my opinion. I think that they signed Malcolm Brown to be the goal line guy, and they thought that the combo of Gaskin on the uh, from from you know the zero yard line to the 99th yard line plus Malcolm Brown at the goal line would be 
all they needed for their running back room. And I don't blame them because Miles Gaskin had a really productive season. He just is a very small back. They didn't draft anyone until the sixth round, I believe, with, with um, I think his name is Jared Dokes, who actually seems to be a very productive college player. But I think that Gaskin is going to be very fantasy viable, but I don't think that he's going to get the touchdowns. I think that those will primarily go to Malcolm Brown. Yeah, I you know that backfield in in LA last season was one of the more frustrating to try and figure out. Um, people seem to be high on Cam Akers going into the season, and there were times that looked like a pick that you would just drop um, for for stretches, which you know was ridiculous given. I think what was Acres a third round pick or second round pick maybe in even? fantasy or in real life? In real life, I think he was a second rounder, if not definitely third. So and you know judging by the Rams, you know philosophy, that's probably their first pick in the draft. Um, <laughs> that's so, true. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not great. Um, at least in my mocks, Gaskin has been a fifth or sixth rounder, so you are probably getting him as potentially your RB three or your flex. Um, you know, adding Malcolm Brown does not mean that I'm not in for that price tag because, again, a little bit similar to Mike Davis here, actually, for starter volume, even if the situation is not ideal, that is built into the price tag if you're getting them in the fifth or sixth round. Agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I want, if I think Malcolm Brown has enough opportunity there to really warrant any sort of value. Um Again, maybe similar to to Jamal Williams in a sense where you stash money in of your bench and if something does happen to Gaskin, maybe the opportunity there becomes more substantial and it's worth something. But yeah, I think it's a nibble on on Gaskin's value, but at least for where he is right now, still give me Gaskin in the fifth or the sixth. Agreed. I think it's possible that Malcolm Brown comes out week one, gets two touchdowns because the Dolphins are going to be a good team this year and they're going to have scoring opportunities. And I think, I believe that Malcolm Brown is going to get the goal line work. I think Malcolm Brown is possible week one comes out, gets two touchdowns. And then if you happen to have him on your team, you trade him away to whoever is going to buy that, you know, that touchdown based performance. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want him for the full season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And maybe that is the Gaskin owner who, you know, sure. You know, maybe Gaskin puts up 12 points on a pretty solid fantasy day, but does not get those goal line touches. Touches, and you know that owner that owner kind of freaks out a little bit, and you can maybe steal a good player away. Um, you know, I'm looking at Malcolm Brown's snap totals from last season, and of course, it's an entirely different offense on a different team. But you know, we're basically averaging around kind of half, you know, 50 percent in terms of snap snap percentage. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be that remotely, you know, for, for the Dolphins. I'd have to imagine that, again, this is, you know, within the five or maybe even 10-yard line that, you know, they might even start with Gaskin on first down, and if he can't punch it in on a run, Possible. then Gaskin comes out and Malcolm Brown subs in. Absolutely. I'll rapid fire a few more. <clears throat> um, stop me if there are any you want to talk about. Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars. Tevin Coleman to the Jets, Damian Williams to the Bears, Matt Burita to the Bills, Mike Boone to the Broncos, Wayne Gallman to the 49ers, Gio Bernard to the Bucks, Gus Edwards got extended uh, in Baltimore, and Todd Gurley is still homeless. Oh, how have the mighty have fallen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, that is... 
you know, it's not that long ago that Gurley was the was he the consensus one that season? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I can hit a couple of these quickly. High to the Jags doesn't really mean anything to me. I think that's become more of a mess than I than I was hoping was going to be. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was in on James Robinson, but I, 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 I think you just you can't be now with 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 Eddie and being there. And yes, I've heard. You know, my understanding is that they are splitting Eddie and out wide, so maybe they're going to try and get them on the field at the same time. But you know, Carlos Hyde is not even a player where if one of those two, well, you know, one running back goes down, then he suddenly walks into a starting volume. I'd have to imagine that you know, if 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 Robinson is normally the starter and he goes down. That Eddie gets the vast, vast majority of the of the work there, and Hyde is still just the, you know, the handcuff to Eddie. And mm-hmm. um, Coleman to the Jets, you know, again, not enough offense really, you know, scoring opportunities there to really make me excited about that. Damian Williams on the Bears, I think that's Montgomery's backfield to to lose, and yep. um, you know, Tariq Cohen might be someone we talk about a little bit later in the uh, in the in the sh- you know in the season, just in terms of. Is this someone who's worth a dart throw? Obviously, he's had his injury issues, but he's also been very productive in his in his NFL career, which is pretty brief. Breeder to the Bills again. That's just a messy. That's just a messy running back room. I, I will I will say Breeder to the Bills of of this whole list is the most interesting to me, simply because Singletary and Moss clearly cannot get it done from a fantasy perspective. Maybe they bring in Breeder. He ends up being the standout of that back of that backfield and ends up having some back some fantasy value i do i necessarily think that that will happen no do i think it could sure i just don't you know it's possible brita might be the most fantasy relevant running back in that room there but i don't you know zach moss and singletary not going away to me and that means you have to limit expectations yep. there again just a, a weird situation where you have an offense that you absolutely love in you know real life NFL terms, and from a running back standpoint, you really don't want to touch it with a ten foot pole right now. Yep. Um, you know Mike Boone, a, a player that I actually liked in very very limited opportunities, but again the Broncos, similar to the Bills, similar to the, the Bears for me, it's just a, it's a crowded it's a crowded room. Um, you know we'll see what happens with uh, with with Melvin this season. Um, what's the name of the running back they just drafted? Williams is that Javante? Yeah, Javante Williams. You know, a decent amount of draft capital invested in him as well, too. So we're looking, I think, at probably a third stringer and maybe get some opportunities if one of those guys goes down. Yep. Gallman on the Niners, I mean, gosh, they just they just stockpile. The Niners, you can never trust. Plus, they just drafted two rookies at running back. We know what the Niners' backfield situation is every single year. It's They're all sort of fantasy relevant, but you're never going to know who it is on a given day, and so I don't really want want any of them on my team unless it's for what I consider good value late in drafts. Yeah, and and I don't think Gallman is going to be going in drafts. No, I don't think so either. Did we just get a Jeff Wilson injury? I thought that that yes, was something. Yes, Jeff Wilson is out for the next six months, which I guess eats into a few months of of the regular season. Yeah. So again, I mean. That's it's just got to be a dart throw maybe and and the issue there is it's not even like a dart throw you feel confident you know on a weekly basis because you could play Gallman and it could just be some other I mean the Niners have shown the ability to have no name running backs drop thirty points in the game yeah absolutely and and Gallman was good filling in for an injured Saquon last year yep I, I mean for example I think Gallman is an upgrade over Tevin Gallman honestly 
So, yeah, it's possible. Um, Gio to the Bucks again, too crowded. I, you know, the the Rojo Fournette debate is pretty interesting to me. I'm sure we'll dig into that at some point in the next couple of weeks here. Um, I just I don't, you know, Bruce Arians seems to lose faith in running backs pretty quickly, and maybe you know there's a game where both Fournette and Rojo, you know, fumble in an important situation and, and Gio gets a look, but I just can't imagine there's a whole lot of value there. There's also Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, that's true. You know, the the, the line behind Rojo and, and Fournette's pretty substantial there. Yeah. Um, Gus Edwards, again, interesting. You know, that's an offense, especially from a running back standpoint, that I like. Um, Gus, Gus Edwards is probably worth, wherever he's going in drafts, I, I think it's somewhere between rounds 10 and 12 right now he'll probably return that value he's a good plug and play option but he's also someone whom you can probably confidently drop at any point in the season and it would never burn you sure um is that someone who for you has value if you know and of course of course he has value if jk goes down yes is he someone who can sustain it? And Edwards is a pretty small guy. In, in, in he, movies, I, right? I like him. I, th- I think his his skill set, uh, I mean, it certainly works well for the Ravens. They use him really well. You know, he's, he's a guy that I'd, I'd honestly actively target if I were doing zero RB, maybe in a best ball or something sure. along those lines. I don't typically do zero RB, but if I were, Edwards would be a good target for me. Otherwise... If he falls to me, I'd consider it. Um, he's not someone I'm, I'm actively targeting. Though. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably about the same for me as well. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we should wrap up. We've been going on for a while, so we can do a second episode um, later on to round out the wide receivers and the tight ends and then get into some more of the, um, you know, off-season hype and, uh, and, and breaking news and whatnot. But... Solid first episode, I'd say. And, and rookies, too, man. I can't wait to and rookies. some of these rookies. Hell yeah. And then we'll get into our, our rankings and um, definitely do some, some mock drafts as we get closer to the actual draft season. Sounds good to me. So that'll do it for episode one. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, 